Welcome back to another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, as always, Jack Greenstock, joined by a shorter panel than typical weeks, but we have a few other members that will be joining us soon. But I'll start like I do most weeks by passing it off first to Spartan Grown. Cheers, Spartan. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram under Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. Or if you don't do the social media, you can shoot me uh, an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. I grow organically at home and synthetically at work, so I've got my foot in both waters. We got people showing up as uh, you're giving your introductions. Pass it over next to Aaron the Grower. What's up? Thanks, Shaq. Uh, nice to see everybody on the panel. Good to be back this week. I am Aaron the Grower, ATG Acres on Instagram and YouTube and dot com. Good to be here. Happy to have you back. Next up, Matthew Gates. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Gates. I am an integrated pest management specialist, and I'm always happy to come on and talk about things related to that or actually totally other unrelated things. And you can find my um, my pest-related information on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol. You can also find my Instagram at SyncAngel and my Twitter at SyncAngel. And in fact, I just got through talking to um, uh, a PhD who uh, let me know more about uh, microbial interactions, dynamics, and identification in soil. So you can check that out on my Instagram. Good stuff as always. Next up, we've got Russ Brandon. Can you guys hear me? You're a little quiet. Just uh, turn it up or maybe move closer to the mic. Can you hear me better now? A little better, but it's still on the quiet end. All right, I'm going to turn my gain up. Much, much, much better. Much better. All right, cool. So if you guys can hear me all right, um, I'm Brandon Rust. Uh, most of you guys are already familiar. Um, glad to be here as always. Uh, you can find my IG at rust.brandon and you can find a link to my company Bokashi Earthworks and uh, the farm that I co-founded Black Label Organics. Welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you and uh, last but certainly not least and I think we do have a few others that will be joining a little bit late. The American one. How's it going? Hello Jack and panel and everyone in chat. Uh, it's good to be here. I hope everyone's having a great weekend and uh yeah i'm happy to be here and uh, about to talk some cannabis talk uh i'm the american one on youtube and the american one underscore with underscore keens on the ig most of you know me if you don't find when you hit uh when you search the american one a uh, little guy with a american top hat should pop up and that would be me so if you don't know, you should. I'm growing his Amy Aces right now, and it is absolutely uh, looking like some fire. They're super vigorous, uh, growing really healthy. Some of the biggest leaves. I got to post some pictures the other day. I like my hand for reference. I'm a little about six feet tall exactly, and I have a little bit bigger hands than most people my size. And the leaves, even in a tiny little tent, are dwarfing the size of my hand. And just uh, kind of a unique, not unique, uh, I guess, really thick, fat. Uh, leathery leaf on the one pheno where the other one's more stretchy and a little bit uh, more hybrid looking leaf but yeah the American one breeds some fire he's got that Ophelia uh, a few others as well and so big shout out to you the American one thanks again for the seeds and um, I had no one else to pass it over to so we can go ahead and get started for the week I hope everybody's doing well I don't really have a topic for this week so maybe I'll look over at the chat and I think I had something in my head but it left me so I got something I want to talk about. I just popped some of Brandon's gear. I dropped that. Uh, actually, it was Sunday. I dropped the what was it? The Mac version two times the Lime Yeah, 
So that one's I got you. You're muted, Brandon, but I got uh, both. I got 100% germ rate on that, and then I popped some snow cane version twos from 2020 Mendocino, and I got 100% on that too. So I'm stoked for those from New Genetics. The limelight is Limarilla F2, my breeder cut crossed into Mac V2, and uh, shit's fucking fire, bro. Like you're gonna be so stoked. Sweet. Um, can't wait it's got- fucking super dude it's super terpy super frosty it's really tasty the stuff uh and you can find like like every pheno is going to be f- almost the same there's some outliers but uh yeah you're gonna like that one dude so i got a question from the chat uh not to derail that conversation because i think we could definitely get back to that but cheddar bob says where's a good place to get hand-blown glass online uh somebody i would recommend is chemdog glass i don't know if they sell it online necessarily but you could follow them online and figure out where to get their stuff or uh, get to see them in person for their drops but chemdog is the guy who actually found chemdog chem 91 uh, so that strain that a lot of us love and has been used in many many breeding projects um, has a guy behind it and he's a pretty awesome glass blower uh, old school deadhead and just a generally badass guy so I think supporting him is definitely cool but some of the stuff can get expensive there's a few other people out there but I'd love to uh, hear the other panel members thoughts on glass blowers out there and uh, availability online Um, okay, so if you're in San Diego, Jack, you're probably familiar with them if you've ever been to uh, Ocean Beach uh, Farmer's Market, but Glass Distractions, here's actually one of their pieces right here. So this is uh, this is one of their, this is like my bubbler, and they do really nice work. That's sick. I would say if you're looking for online glass, I would just check out Instagram and follow your favorite glass blowers until you find a piece you like and then send them a message. In terms of online purchasing, that's probably the best way to go, direct purchase. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I support direct purchase as well. Yeah, definitely. Same I could never afford it, but direct purchasing from like Scaws glass, that dude who makes the fucking dragons, that, that's some badass shit. Uh, Brandon just mentioned that glass blower from San Diego. Uh, I can't remember the name, but I have one of their uh sherlock kind of bubblers right here as well as a few of their jars and uh spoon piece or chillum or two yep they have like matching sets you can get like i have like a nug jar i've got a, a saxophone pipe i've got a sherlock i've got a hammer i've got a regular pipe a chillum and it's all that same so they call this the like the chaos or whatever so this is like the chaos design it's even got a, like a little steely in there a little fucking Grateful Dead steely. Um, and then they'll have like different, they'll have like the the ocean line that's all like octopuses and tentacles and fish and stuff, you know. And they have everything, pipes, chillum, nug jar. And you can like mix and match sets. And then I even, check this out. I'll be right back. It's sitting right across from me. Definitely a big fan of glass. I know it's not necessarily growing related, but uh, a lot of us like to consume. And as you save money growing, you can afford uh, some nicer glass sometimes. And this is a beautiful piece Brandon showing off right here. So I got to send it back because I broke it and they'll re-blow this for me. 
they'll do it for free. And they're like, yeah, dude, we'll fucking reboot for you. No problem. But yeah, this That's is, sweet. this was a custom piece. I was like, yo, check it out. I want, uh, I told him I wanted a bong, like, uh, like the set of pipes that I had and like my nug jar and all that. And they're like, oh yeah, we can do that. No problem. I don't, can I share, let me see if I can share screen. Nope. It's disabled. There's a ton there was, of good glass blowers on IG, dude. Yeah. I was going to recommend one that we have. Uh, it's glass by Carrie is the Instagram. I was going to show the, they made a bunch of uh, custom, I call them marbles, but the, you know, you replace card caps with them. They just sit on top and they're marbles. And then this marble, uh, if you could look up big pones, Instagram, you can find it. But, uh, it says the MBGS for Michigan Bros Grow Show. If you're looking straight down on it, but if you turn it from the side, the MBGS turns into like a lotus flower inside. It looks fucking awesome. I had uh, somebody hit me up, Michael Ray Glass on IG, and he wanted some like seeds, and he gave me two. Uh, dab rigs that probably would have sold for some around like 1500 bucks at a head shop and uh i just gave him a couple packs of seeds for him so that was kind of cool definitely something i'd rather trade for than uh purchase in many occasions because the prices can get up there but i respect artists and you know they have to pay their bills and eat and uh things like that too and some of them take hours and hours and days, weeks, months to make some of these pieces. I know some of these people bang them out real quick too, but um, like a more, somebody who's on that end, uh, TAG, I know as an American glass maker, thick ass glass is what it stands for. My brother's got one of those and he's dropped it many times and hasn't broken. So, I mean, it's not indestructible, but I've seen there's videos of them like throwing them down uh, concrete staircases and shit and surviving that. So. That's a pretty cool thing for if you actually want glass. Um, some people get the silicone bongs, but I'm just not a fan. I don't like how it feels, even though I don't mind the mouthpiece like Spartan's using right now in his bong. I have one of those in mine, but um, something about holding like a nice piece of glass and consuming uh, cannabis smoke out of it. I think it rips a little bit smoother, like comes through easier. It, maybe it doesn't impact the taste at all either. It just uh, good, clean glass is uh, like nothing else. Coca-Cola is better out of the bottle. I got a theory about glass, man. I just feel like sometimes the metal, it can be a little metallic-y in the can, you know? Yeah, agreed. Or or BPA-ish in plastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and glass, you can clean thoroughly all the way. If you really have to, want to, you can. So that's why I love glass. Fun fact, those metal cans are coated with plastic on the inside yeah everybody well, that's burned, good to know. everybody who burned their uh you know made the makeshift pipe putting pushing holes in there burned some plastic while they were doing it scary to think about first time i ever consumed cannabis unfortunately was out of a soda can like that or pop can uh, crushed on the sides use a little thumbtack make some holes through it and yeah, I don't know. We thought we were clever putting some tape over the mouthpiece so you wouldn't get the uh, flaming bits of debris and you poke a little holes in that. But it acted kind of like a filter. I saw at a local shop here, and I've seen it online as well, there's a ceramic version of a like soda can that's like crushed up already and it's got like the little holes in the top and there's a carb cap on the side. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. 
it's it's actually it looks pretty nice it's like all white ceramic and then it's got like a gold tab like where you would open the can i was so uh, curious how they made those do they just like take a can and dip it or do they have a mold and they just press that every time because it looks like a fucking can dude dead on like a can dipped in white ceramic that's what it looks like i wonder if it's um what do they call it uh hydro doping or something there's a way that you can like I think they do for like Cerakote, no, not Cerakote, but like you can like, you can like dip like guns or like other things into it and then you pull it out and there's like a design on it. I think you do that with car parts too sometimes. I know with Maybe the clay, comments, no. it's like they probably, it could be as simple as like a four piece slip and score. I'm getting into the weeds here now with the ceramics people out there, but you take four pieces of clay that are like a rectangle. Everybody just froze. You, oh shit. Is it just me? I can see, I can hear you. Okay. Um, well, to make the Coke can for anybody out there who wanted to do something like this self-made uh, in ceramics, you could get like four little rectangles and you basically serrate the edges. You put a little bit of slip, which is like loose clay and some water, uh, make them all together. And then you can kind of like crush it into itself once you've sealed it to make it into the shape of the Coke can and then just cut out a round shape for the mouthpiece, uh, cut out a little piece for the tab. It'd be pretty simple to create actually. And then glazing it you could do like matthew said you could probably just like put a hook in it don't get into a glaze entirely so it would when you fire it gives that appearance of like all the way around it's uh, perfectly coated but definitely um smoking out of a ceramic is a lot safer than plastic and aluminum so i advocate for that much more so than uh anybody like myself out there who was probably desperate enough to uh have to use cannabis that way so i was referring to uh water transfer printing um, sometimes called hydro dipping just for anyone who was curious what I was talking about I hate it when somebody does that and then like they don't they don't fight fact check it sometimes there's no time but then it's like what was that thing I want to know what that thing is they were talking about <laughs> so a little Easter hydrographics egg. it's nice for anyone listening they can google either right now or afterwards if they're uh, listening after the show so it's is it just where they put paint on water where they put the paint on the water the different shades of paint and make a swirl design and then they dip something into it and pull it out. Is that what yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And it, it can be like a, yeah, like the, I'm looking at like a Wikipedia page about it, and like you got to have like a liquid substrate. But yeah, you basically put the image on top, and then you dip it into it, and it comes out. It's magic. One of the high times they're doing that for temporary tattoos. You could get arm sleeves by just dipping your arm through, <laughs> pulling it out. I'm a little dubious about that, but at the same time, it's kind of awesome. I have a question about, we were just talking about using glass, and I'm curious about just consumption methods around the panel. I personally vaporize through a bong, I'd say like 90 plus percent of the cannabis I consume, but I also dab with a little Puffco and roll joints every now and then. And I think everybody has a different thought on what gets you the best flavor, what gets you maybe the most medicated, like strongest effect. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts about just like different ingestion methods and uh, which you prefer and get the most flavor out of? I prefer joints. I, uh, when I have new strains that I'm about to harvest that I never tried before, I always clean a device thoroughly clean and get new fresh taste on it. But I do believe, and I've been preached to about a joint other than vaporizing, like smoking a joint is supposedly cleaner than doing a bong rip. And the theory is, I guess, you know, the filtration through the joint, and it's also, um, it's like vaporizing some of it. 
and it's not always that hot right out of your mouth, but I like, I don't know. I never did scientific experiments, but I do have some references if anybody wants. And they actually says one of the references is old and they say up to uh, 25% of the THC is left in the, in the roach of a joint. But that was a really old study, like in the seventies, they used like machines that sucked through the, uh, the joints, you know, they didn't have any, uh, they used machines, but I could pull it up. If you guys are interested, I'll, I'll put it in the YouTube chat. Yeah, unfortunately, it was unethical to have human volunteers. They couldn't have uh, people getting high on joints. Heaven forbid, right? <laughs> they didn't want people sitting back there, toking down, having a good old time, seeing what it does to their lungs. Uh, it is interesting, though, when they, like, you know, have create, like, artificial lungs and smoking devices. And I can tell even just through what Spartan's using over there, that mouthpiece, when I use my bong to smoke a bowl versus vaporizing a bowl, I could vaporize 50 bowls before I would have to replace that filter. It, and it might not even need to be replaced. It's like a faint yellow little amount that's being filtered out. When you combust, there is actually a lot more going on. Like it's just so much like the, the carbon, the actual shit that's uh, not filtered out by the water was uh, surprising to me when I got that mouthpiece because I always thought with a bong, especially like I have a lower water area and then I have the upper water, like a double perk. And even with that, tons of fucking tarry ass resin still gets through into what would be your mouth if you didn't have the filter yeah i burned through one i like i replaced one before the show and it'll be done by the end of the next show <laughs> like on these back-to-back shows where i'm sitting here smoking for four hours yeah that's it gets toasted quick but like you said you know all that shit is is not getting in my lungs so i'm gonna keep using them <laughs> I'm a big believer, man. I used to cough up like resin and shit because I just, if I didn't clean my bong enough or whatever it is, I don't know, there'd be some resin getting through. And uh, those are a simple way. And the filters are really, really inexpensive. So even if you just have to do a couple a week, it's like a few bucks for, in my opinion, your health. And I think it's a medical plant and some people would consider your bong or whatever you're using a medical device. Uh, I know the stores and Bickle vaporizer the volcano was actually put through the process in California during Prop 215, the medical days, to be considered a medical device. So, like, they um, went through all the processes of actually getting it certified to that level. That's fucking awesome. I need to get one. Uh, yes, Blue Cross, I'd like to have a vaporizer for free. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, give me hey, that. That'll up, that'll up their, uh, you know, that's one way to get retention. Um, you know, I know that uh, Kaiser is hurting trying to get people i mean i will say is a joke here in the last decade of living here in california every single time i've had to go to the doctor which is like i can count on one hand but like maybe three or of or four times that i've gone i have been honest with them about my cannabis use and they didn't judge me treat me differently or like uh deny me any other medication or, or give me any different treatment regimen than they would have if i said no, I don't use cannabis, or at least in my opinion, they were actually like, oh, that's good. Like, we'd rather you use that to help manage pain than an opiate in one occasion. Like when I was in a car accident, they gave me a muscle relaxer, but I didn't want pain medication or pain management. I just wanted to see what was wrong. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to see them moving even in like the traditional doctor's offices. Um, or I don't know what it's even called modern medicine. <laughs> they, uh, those doctors are being a lot more open to cannabis and not just CBD. Like I'm telling them, yeah, it's like high THC varieties. I have a quick question in chat that I can answer quickly, but I want to make sure I answered it and I want to do it on air so that people that are listening can hear it too, because this might be a common question. And, um, where did I put it? I put it in chat, didn't I? Um, Zach, 
uh, how do you say that? Gal Galis Galisi Galisi. He's asking. Um, he says he's on his first grow. I LST my plant that stands for low stress training, which means you're tying the branches down, the tall branches down to get everything level. And uh, he's they're asking, should I, am I supposed to release it from this bondage at some point or just leave it tied up until they look up or what? So actually, you can do both. You you can you can leave it tied up if you want to until harvest time, if that's what you want to do. Um, but after uh, a good length of time, usually. I usually wait like two to three weeks. That branch will be pretty set. And if you release it from its, uh, from its tie down, it'll stay put. But my best advice for you is just do one at a time. And as you release it, you'll be able to tell if the plant moves or doesn't move or if it can support that weight and all that. You can release one. And if it looks like it's good, then go to the next one, release that one. That's how I would do it. That's good advice. In my experience with LST, <clears throat> that LST spot where you trained it down that crooked point ends up being a point that you're going to have to support come flower. So your, your training ends up being a support point. So I always end up throwing a bamboo stake, you know, come flower time when I'm LSTing right at that bend. Are you getting like a, a snap or a break or a knuckle of some sort where you maybe consider it more of like a super crop or high stress train at that point? No, no, I try not to, you know, it's more of like a, it's like a lateral, what would you call that? Like a lateral separation of the fibers, not like a, you know, so they're the long ways, maybe longitudinal, the long ways up and down fibers breaking apart from each other rather than the, the inner fiber breaking inside and cracking and cause, <clears throat> excuse me, causing that knuckle. So I, I would like to avoid that, I think. Like right now, I have two amyases, and the one on the left is right where I'd like it to be. The one on the right is probably three to five inches higher than the one on the left at the highest points. And I'll go through, and I start by doing like LSD, where I'm just like kind of shaking it, shaking it, shaking it, and like it starts to bend and, and get closer to that, you know, three inches lower uh, from the top of the canopy. And then sometimes I'll take it and pinch real hard and kind of, twist down around and get it to like actually drop and fold over. But the LST is definitely effective for people out there that are listening. You don't have to even break anything necessarily. Like it can be so pliable that you can just be bending it and not have to create any snaps or knuckles or bends. Um, and if you have a scrog or a trellis, or in this case, they were asking about tying it down. It depends on your grow space for sure. Like keeping it tied, that'll lock it in place. But some people will argue it's going to like stunt the plant or whatever. One thing I wanted to mention on the LST, when you do have a high straining incident where you're trying to do LST and it becomes like a super crop where you accidentally snap a branch, I just fixed one with tape. And in the past, I've had them survive. But this time, the one, I still have it alive. I wish I would have just taken it and tried to maybe root it as a clone because all the other branches around it, although it did survive, um, are probably five or eight inches taller than that at this point and it's probably not going to make it uh, i'm coming up to the end of the stretch so by the time pruning comes around it's likely just going to get cut off and um it makes me wonder about if it's worth it and i just want to make sure to let no other girl into the room but uh yeah definitely lst and can become hst or high stress yeah, training. That's, yeah that's where this the super crop gets a little bit too super but uh but you still there was still a 
a change in the plant there. So it's not like it was a total loss, even if you're going to take that branch off. You still created a change in the plant. You changed the uh, oxygens and the cytokine levels, and you and you uh, still got a flatter canopy because of it. So it's not a total loss. It's just to me, I just call that when we I, we get them at work, even still to this day, I just call that a failed a failed uh, super crop. You know, successful super crop, it'll just bend right back up the next day and be just how you want it. Failed one stays kind of low, <laughs> and everything shoots up past it. Yeah, it was probably a little too thin when I super cropped it, to be perfectly honest, because it wasn't like a huge branch and the rest of them uh, around it, it was just higher up and it, I had kind of super cropped one the other direction and then this one was like shooting out the side of that one. So when I bent it down, it was, uh, it didn't have the vigor to come back. Like you're mentioning, it's up now, which is funny. It's just like a tiny little stick in a sea of giant ass stocks, but I want to give Noah the grower the chance to introduce himself if he can hear me now and is all the way into the Zoom call. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, no other girl on Instagram with two E's and you can find me there and uh, glad to be here. We are happy to have you back as always. And uh, I think Kyle Breeder might be joining us here in a little bit as well. So happy to see the panel spreading for a second there. It was me and Matthew Gates at like 359 and nobody else. And I almost sent like a I was in the middle of sending like one is the loneliest number to the group chat because no one was showing up. But last second, like as per usual, I should be used to it at this point. But uh, yeah, you guys really held off there. And uh, I'm happy to have all of you here, to be honest. I know something hey, we could step I was, on. I was there at 359, motherfucker. I was there at, well, 401 your time. I was a minute late. But I was going <laughs> to, uh, I'm always watching Rust and his posts. And he did a post about sulfur. And I did a little, you know, looking into the sulfur before. And again, refreshing. So, Brandon, have you ever seen sulfur toxicity? Because they say they quote, you know, in quotes, they say they claim it's hard to um, really give it toxicity. But have you ever come across that? I haven't really. I've only seen uh, sulfur deficiencies when mm -hmm. the growth rate is uh, really, really high. Uh, the thing about sulfur is that it can cause osmotic stress in the plant. So it can happen if the plants are young, but typically um, you're not going to be overdosing on sulfur because you're not really giving the soil a bunch of sulfur. Your sulfur comes in on the back of um, a lot of the minerals that you're putting in there. Things like magnesium sulfate, at least for me, magnesium sulfate, potassium sulfate, that sulfate anion, uh, it reacts and that's that becomes a, a separate mineral that the plant has that's available. Right. So uh, now most of the inputs, well, that you use, I believe, are like water soluble, aren't they? You, well, what I like to do is I like to mix some different stuff up for granular because all these things, again, are minerals. And when we're talking about granular, what they've done is they've ground them up into powders and stuff but um for some stuff i like to the water soluble stuff like the micronutrients copper boron manganese uh zinc and iron those are all pretty water soluble iron's really really tricky because uh, the way that it is so easily oxidized right because well i guess what i was thinking is to cause toxicity it has to be available so like if there's um, 
non-water soluble stuff in your soil, it doesn't mean that it's going to cause a problem because it's not ready available. And the, the new, the, you know, the micro life will make it available when necessary is my kind of working theory. I don't know how true that is, but, but I know, you know, better. So, well, you know, chemistry influences so much of the availability of the mineral nutrient. It, um, it affects uh, biology as well. So it's kind of like a, it's not exactly just a one-way street. Things are right. really interchangeable. Changeable. And then also, you know, there's different things change as the soil structure changes, right? Because then, the, then what happens is the soil chemistry starts to change as the structure changes, as more oxygen and more space is being utilized, you know? So, uh, right. but back to the main question, back right. to the main question though about sulfur, I've never seen uh, sulfur toxicity, but you know, I've never run, you know, sulfur, even with heavy amendment from things like gypsum, which is calcium sulfate, Epsom salt, potassium uh, sulfate, even with hot, heavy top dresses at like the beginning of a run to reamend a bed, I still haven't really seen the, the sulfur levels go above uh, something that wasn't going to be you know reasonable or cause an issue very you know but if we're talking about ppms we're looking around um as it falls into solution for a weak acid extraction test similar to what a plant would release as like a organic acid or an exudate a photosynthate um it would be you know optimal range would probably be between 60 and 90 parts per million from what I've seen on my research. Right, right. And toxicity isn't until like over 300 probably, right? Well, or see, we I've never know. seen it push right. that, that hard. Okay. So, but I've never seen the physical symptoms. I don't think I've, I mean... If I have, it's not something that I would be able to recognize because it's not something that you you regularly see. Jack is Dr. Evil. <laughs> oh, no, the other Jeff one. Jeff Bezos is Dr. Evil, motherfuckers. <laughs> Wants $1 billion, has $1 billion, Wants, or has penis-shaped rocket ship, <laughs> has penis-shaped rocket ship, wants moon base, has moon base. If you haven't seen the meme, Google Jeff Bezos as Dr. Evil, and then watch the video of him laughing after he comes down from that fucking rocket ship. Tell me it doesn't sound like Dr. Evil. What if, what if that was purposeful it's, for the memes? It was probably. Then yeah, I mean, it's really, really easy the to memes. influence. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's crazy. If we it is the a- case, then this motherfucker owes Austin Powers, you know what I'm saying, some big dollars. There's a lot of needs his royalties. Life life yeah. imitate art he just copied it that's yeah <laughs> it could be that i mean it's like the simpsons predicting all that shit i won't get into the specifics because there's been so many times that they got shit but they throw like 100 things out there and like 10 things stick right i want to say what i remembered that i wanted to mention at the beginning of the show and it's a little bit of a heavier topic and i don't want to make this show like the rest in peace show but uh, i do like to pay respect to people in the community and i know that people on this panel actually have personally grown their gear so morning star genetics recently passed away and their daughter, I believe, said that they do not want any fundraisers. So I just want to put it out there and be clear 
they said um, no fundraisers are going to be had to, you know, cover costs of funeral or anything like that. But I just wanted to pay homage and big respect to Morningstar. Um, I never actually grew their genetics. I haven't grown any autoflowers in general, so that's not a knock on them. It's just I'm still a little hesitant, even though I've smoked some great autoflowers. I think they were one of the uh, better autoflower breeders out there that I saw, and a lot of people were really liking to grow their gear. And uh, definitely rest in peace to them and wanted to give a moment for anybody on the panel if you've grown their gear or know a little bit about them. Um, I just want to say he was always an awesome guy in the streams and stuff that I saw and got to interact with them and ask questions and seemed like a great dude. So it's a big loss to the community and just wanted to give a moment. Yeah, I was, um, I just want to say a few words, you know, he, I was a tester for him. So I tested um, some of his autoflowers. I really liked his auto purple micro dot. And it was the first autoflower I ever grew that got the size of a photo period. <laughs> you know what I mean? I grew a pretty big fucking, tried to grow it in the tent and pretty much outgrew the tent. So um, yeah, it's a huge loss to the community and uh, my heart goes out to the family and um, just heed the words of, of his daughter if you see somebody auctioning or, or holding an auction or something for morning star seeds then you know it's a scam right away and just you know ignore it and don't support that unfortunately there are a few vultures out there so just don't support them um but yeah other than that you know rest in peace and i've still got some of his seed stocks so um and i've actually made this is fucking crazy now that i think about it, it just hit me it's weird so one of the, the first uh, crosses I've made myself was cuvee because I got a mail. And I, as soon as I had a mail to cuvee, I wanted to say, do something with the pollen because, you know, sub is passed. It's a special strain to me because of that. And guess what I hit it with? I, I hit it with a Morningstar fucking that tire fire. How crazy is that? So that's a special strain to me now. I don't know. Well, I'll have to figure out a good name for that. It's an amazing coincidence, and uh, I think that a lot of the breeders in our community are elders, and uh, even if they're not, life, like we have mentioned, is fragile, and uh, people can go too soon, so it is uh, awesome to be able to grow out their genetics and have made your own unique cross of it, and uh, the American one, I think that I remember hearing you talk a little bit about growing some of their gear as well. Oh, I, I never grew his gear, but I hung out with him online, like in, uh, in uh, video chats, like more than once. I never met him in person. But he was always upbeat. He always had uh, something else that he was working on, you know. He always had a project that he was talking about, excited about. And uh, oh, he was always looking to the future. So, yeah, when, when, he, uh, when I read that post, I was pretty shocked. Because it wasn't like he was an old man. He wasn't super, he wasn't a young chicken, but he wasn't old. And, yeah, it's just, uh, it's really sad that, uh, you know, someone that looked to the future so much, you know, is now, now gone. So my heart goes out to everyone who knew him, you know, personally and, and, and his daughter and everyone. So yeah, rest in peace. Does anybody else have any thoughts about uh, Morningstar before maybe we move on to a different topic? I just wanted to echo one, the thing that Spartan said one more time about the making sure that you don't support I'd say it's probably like 1% of the community of those vultures out there that are doing the shady and nefarious things, whether it's Subcool, whether it's uh, Morningstar or another breeder who has since passed on. Um, try to support, you know, if, if a seed bank maybe supported that person while they're alive and have some of their gear still, that's like one thing. But any Joe Schmo who puts up an Instagram and says that they're selling 
you know, seeds from a genetics company that is no longer in business, you have to be a little bit dubious. And uh, in my opinion, I would just say across the board, don't support it. It's uh, the ones that are real are limited and are probably going to be gone very soon. And uh, unless you already know where to get it from, uh, then probably avoid a lot of the pop-up stuff because it's likely to scam and support somebody who's probably going to go and do that similar kind of business with other people later on. So uh, good to be diligent. And a topic that I talked about in the past was kind of, uh, or thought about doing in the past for a show was how do you guys go about like vetting uh, a cannabis company? Like how do you know Bokashi Earthworks is a good one to use or uh, what breeder you go through? Like what, what makes, you know, a DJ short different than a, um, I won't throw somebody under the bus, but any number of the people that are just knockoff genetics. Um, there's a lot of them out of Canada and Amsterdam, and <laughs> I won't name the specific companies, but just to give people the heads up, a lot of the time you'll see a strain, like they'll say that they have uh, blueberry. That's one that I can credit DJ Short. He originally made it. He's been the one who's been behind it and he still sells it. So if you want blueberry, I'd try and get it through old world genetics, DJ Short. Um, why would you go somewhere else? Unless maybe you were looking for something different, like um, Humboldt Seed, uh, company, Nat. He has a um, a blueberry uh, something else. Uh, does anybody know what he calls it? It's uh, it's more like of an art artificial. I think he calls it like blueberry muffin. Humboldt Seed Seed Company is blueberry muffin. Yeah, so he has blueberry muffin, which he's not trying to say like, hey, this is like DJ Short's blueberry because DJ Short's blueberry is more of like a true blueberry or like floral, uh, where he said his is more of like an artificial thing. So like he's not trying to say like, hey, I've got the original DJ short blueberry. He's saying, I got blueberry muffin. This is the cross that I made it with. So, um, do you know what the, do you know what the F 13 is? I forgot from, from DJ short. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a flow cross, um, F 13. It's like Afghani and Thai. A lot of his stuff. If you go through the flow charts, um, green work 420 has a chart of basically all of DJ shorts crosses that I can try and pull up here. Well, um, maybe somebody else like Spartan, what, what do you look for? How do you tell a shitty breeder from a good breeder? So I don't know if this is the Midwest in me or the farmer in me. Cause I was, I mean, fun fact, I was a farmer before I was a cannabis farmer, but for me, it's always, if, if I meet you in person, that's what I want. Number one, if I can just meet him in person, I can tell whether they're, you know, a good person or not i haven't been fooled very many times um and then secondly uh it's all word of mouth for me man it's like if my buddies have used somebody or a product and and i can see the weed and i i fucking smoke the weed and i liked it i'm interested but just you know what i mean that's that's what it takes for me because i have such good friends that are fucking good breeders and it's like if, if you if you want me to buy seeds god damn it better be like it better be godly weed because fuck that. I've got uh, I've no, got to support uh, my friends. You know what I mean? To support somebody outside of my friend group. I don't buy seeds either. I bought one pack of of seeds, and uh, I regretted it after I did. With your non-buying seed policy, I know a lot of people worry about freebies being junk. Um, usually they get freebies from a seed bank. I'd imagine you're usually trading either Bokashi or your own seeds for other people's seeds or just getting gifted them out of the kindness of the community's hearts. How do you choose what to grow? Um, and maybe you're uh, just more open because you have a lot of space so you can grow out a bunch of stuff and see if it's good or not. Um, but Brandon, what's your um, sort of selection process like when if you have a thousand seeds and you're only going to pop a hundred? 
Oh, yeah. So I got to be like, hmm, you know, what do I want? And then what does everybody else want? Because what I want and what everybody else want don't necessarily match up. So I try to create my own hype. You know, I'll be like, oh, feature my shit and be like, my shit's just as good as fucking gelato or whatever, you know? Um, better terpene profile too, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, I have gotten a lot of stuff from the community because people want to see, you know, what their stuff looks like uh, when you have fucking huge plants and, you know, uh, greenhouse full of stuff. Like uh, I got that Bicket OG, that GMO cherry pie, those things, that fucking plant is amazing. You know, I look for plants that are unique, that are going to, that are going to have, you know, really awesome terpene profiles that you just don't come across normally. Like if it's really out of place or if it's really, really like in your face and it's like, that is distinctly this, like I had some pancakes from aficionado and it was distinctly to me, it was distinctly uh, like maple syrup but like stale cereal. And it's like, just, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but if you've ever had like old stale cereal, doesn't matter what kind it was like fruit loops or lucky charms or whatever, like in an old Tupperware or something. And it like gets old. It has this like old cereal smell. And it was that exactly. And it's so weird because when you smell to me, when I smell like something, it instantly brought to, to mind an image of what it was. Right. When my brain has the ability to automatically connect a scent of a, of a, of a herb with something that is like very unique in my own like psyche, that's, it's just for me like, Oh wow, that's, that's fucking this. This is, this is what this is. This is crazy. Let's smoke this. So Brandon, how many, clone only so clones are you keeping now because when you find that one do you have a clone of it or are you going to pop another hundred seeds and find it again well so what i've been doing like i did all the i ran a bunch of black lime reserve and while it was good it wasn't like it wasn't like that you know really wasn't like the stuff that i ran through wasn't super super in the face yeah yeah there were some in there that were really nice that i kept a couple phenos um, and you know, the rest, what I did is I did an open pollination with the best of the males, which was the Limarilla times Mac V2. And I did open pollination and I'll go through all of those and I'll check everything, make sure there's no intersects on any of the phenos. I already did this, but, um, and then I also did. I chose the, the, the best phenotypes that I liked. And then I chose one outlier of the uh, limelight. And then I did an open pollination with that same male. So that whole, that whole thing got hit with the one male that I chose. And then I also have a copy of that male, right? So, um, so just a handful I'm, you're keeping in, in cut form and, and then, uh, right, making a bunch of seeds to... Yeah. So what I did was I actually took cuts. So I had multiple clones of everything. Uh, so each phenotype, 
I had approximately between four and seven of those actual plants, right? So what I did was I put them all next to each other, let's say one through 33 of the black lime reserve females had all of those. And I had a whole, you know, I had like two tables of that, you know, equaling, you know, somewhere like, you know, uh, over a hundred plants, 150 or whatever plants there was. And so I could look at more than just one, but as a clone, not from seed. And I could go through, rerun through those, look at the stability as a clone, stress test them in smaller pots to see how hungry they were. And then, you know, take all my notes on which ones were the best ones. And then I did an open pollination just to open up that whole, that whole lineup. So that way, when I go through there next time, I'll separate all of my phenotypes from the selected pheno number of like the black lime reserve and I'll organize all that. Right. And then when I start testing, I can test pheno number 36 and I can see how it compares to all the other phenos that I test. And, and that'll give me a really good idea of how that male expresses itself, especially when I start running the other varieties that I ran using that same male. And since I have it backed up, I can put that on ice, you know, keep it as a clone for now, that male. And if I want to go and take any of those, those cuts that I kept from the F1s, I can use a different male and pollinate those. So that's kind of like long-term plan yeah. to go through uh, the, the, that line specifically, because there's something in the black lime reserve and I'm not sure if it's a terpene, but it might be uh, it might be a uh, an ester or an alcohol yeah, that it's fennel. producing. I don't. Yeah, it, it's something, but it's what makes the death breath smell and have this really unique flavor. And I can see it in the black lime reserve. I can smell it on some of the phenotypes. It's just not as pungent. And so I'm like trying to figure out how to get that out more so i cross it into something that already has the the lime that's a little uh, stronger to pull out this like this really like crazy like musk that it has like it's really hard to describe brandon earlier you asked about f13 and i mentioned that greenwork 420 has a post of dj shorts work and how it breaks down and this is that post it's like he has thousands of posts so i had to scroll pretty far to find this and um, I just wanted to kind of walk people through because there's one thing that's cut off at the bottom. It says hog, but it's not like the San Diego hog. This means Highland Oaxacan gold hog. And that next cross is chocolate tie, which is cut off, which he, uh, the, the F1, he, he refers to as uh, purple tie, which he crossed to an Afghani male, which made the floral line, which he has um, F, <clears throat> it looks like F1, F2, and F3 which the temple flow comes out there and that starts working its way into the blueberry. But if you go up, you can find original flow, blue velvet, and then F13. So that came from the floral line and you go up, there's a F3, F4, F5 is where you find the F13 uh, from DJ Short. So it's an F5 of what was originally a Highland Oaxacan gold. Chocolate high Afghani. Yep. So and that's the right now, Interesting. Can, for the people that are curious, the blueberry line comes out of the temple flow 
which is crossed to the uh, Highland Thai Afghani male, which I believe is the same, or maybe it's not. It could be a different uh, Highland Thai over here crossed to Afghani, which he calls HTAF. So um, I have this F13 before um, JD got mad at me. Uh, he gave me this F13 cross with F4 blueberry. That's pretty badass. Yeah, you could see the blueberry is where we we're kind of working. That's two separate lines. Yeah, that's that should be interesting. I bet you there's some pretty good vigor because they're both. I mean, an F4 cross to an F5. That's and then that's close all. To. It's crazy because if you look at the blueberry too, it says right there Highland Thai and Afghani to make the blueberry line. Yep, with the little mix of the uh, Highland Hawk and Gold chocolate tie, and then the. Uh, oh, he bred those two together to make the blueberry. I see. Yeah, because if you see the, yep. the on, on a, oh. when it was an F three. Oh, yeah, and I see. So the F four. Oh no, he made the F. Okay, I see. Yeah, I get so it. The F four, F three floral line times the Highland High times F Afghani. Yeah, blueberry, made the first blueberry F one. That's correct. And then if he gave you an F four, so yours would be like four generations down the f4 times the 13 yeah. on the floral line the f4 was i think the first blueberry line that he released back in 1998 if i'm not mistaken i believe you're correct he's been using that f4 male since the late 90s and it, it's 1997 or 1998 yeah i and so my friend from san diego he's been growing since um the 90s and in 2000 he actually got a pack of that um that blueberry that's from that first drop and that's where he pulled his blueberry mail out to make that train wreck blueberry the romulan blueberry the bull rider blueberry the p91 blueberry and all of the other blueberry stuff that he did for people who ask me why i took velvet punch to f3 and uh you know like a lot of people just want to make their own f1 with whatever crosses they have i think that dj short has a great track record of making some really awesome genetics that were super stable and you can see by looking at this chart here it wasn't like he did it overnight um, he's been breeding since the late 70s or early 80s from what i recall and he started making stuff available to the public in the 90s but yeah he's definitely put out some of the most land-breaking work i think as far as the flow the f13 blueberry and some of the stuff that came from it like uh, uh blue dream is here because of dj shorts blueberry and granted the other half of that was a haze but um, he had a huge impact on the cannabis community and I think that it's cool that he's still around and uh, he's an older guy too so I <laughs> hate to you know put it out there but everybody has their day come eventually and we got to respect and show love to the, these people while, while they're here so big ups to DJ Short if he ever sees this uh, we'd love to have him on the show I'll probably reach out to him at some point and hopefully we can get him on That'd be and really I see cool. him a lot at uh, events if I run into him I'll ask him to come on the show man it's not that I have pulled with a guy but I'll ask him anyway I don't care. Never I don't hurts. Care. I look like a fool to try to get a fucking legend on a show, man. The worst they could say is no, and then we're in the same position we are now. That's the way I always feel about it. It's like uh, a lot of these guys are really cool. Tommy Chong came on, uh, I think, uh, one of the European guy shows. Uh, yeah. Have... Percy's Grow Room. Um, I don't know if you guys know that this or not, but uh, the Northern Lights is going to be re-emerging uh, later in the year. And uh, next year, it's going to be like all rebranded. Uh, the guy, Greg McAllister, who created it 
and his son Aaron are working on a project to bring back a lot of the old school genetics from his library right now. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's going to be really cool, man. They uh, they have some really cool stuff. Original NL5 times things like White Widow, Trainwreck stuff. All yeah, the dude, old, I have a like, uh, old strain. Skillbow has it right now for me. But the um, well, I told him he I I'm done with it. But it's a old Northern Light Five times uh, headband, and it's called uh, headlights. <laughs> and and fucking uh, when I grew it in my system or whatever it always was like man i always th thought it was just piney is what i would get from it but everybody said it was smelled like salisbury steak and they'd always say some kind of meat but i never got that out of it so it was weird but then when he gets it he said it started out one way and it's starting now it's starting to change to something else so that's really interesting to see how people grow the same damn thing and it can change in different you know grow environments you know what? I haven't seen any like really heavy straight pine bud uh, lately. I hardly even see pining um, as a top terpene. And I remember specifically some of the best smoke that I had had that not only that front end where you could really smell that pungent, pungent pine aroma, but where it had almost like a mentholated uh, type of smoke on it where it was just really full smoke yeah know, like that full thick. flavor of pine as well the beta pining is uh more of like the bronchiodilator it opens up your lungs a lot and one strain i'm about to grow or two actually i got the pine tar kush from mm -hmm. csi humboldt as well as the 79 christmas bud which are Whoa, both check this out i think sequence i think has that too now and he's getting ready to pop some of that yeah, that's gonna be my next run that. with velvet punch f2 and f3 side by side nice that's exciting oh, what's he got we've got a plant people what it says on there 79 x -mas 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 -mas. nice yeah someone just gave this to me uh so i was like oh that's crazy cool. i was born in 78 <laughs> That shit used to come around Ohio uh, all the time. Other than skunk, Christmas bud, and pine was all we had. And I think that partially it, there are some sativas. Like I grew Blue Dream, which had a good amount of pine in. But the pine tar kush and 79 Christmas bud are both like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, packy indicas. So they're not supposed to be really long flowering. Um, I think a lot of it's gone away because a lot of those longer flowering Mexican sativas that you and I used to see, Brandon, that had some of the pioneer stuff. Um, that's not really grown anymore and especially like in your situation commercially people aren't growing stuff past like eight nine maybe ten weeks especially like 12 to 16 weekers yeah we were talking i was talking to my partner about how awesome it would be to just have a dedicated uh house just to pop like land race stuff long flowering varietals just for you know just to see like you know get into those because again those things aren't commercially um you know viable really uh or you know efficient is when it comes to like cost efficiency and everything um so they could maybe greenhouse might be yeah that's what we were talking about having just a greenhouse um and uh i you know some of the stuff like the nl5 haze that i grew i mean i took that to 12 weeks and it could have probably gone an additional week um and those do have uh the most like kind of pine profile but they also had that citrus combination in there too not like jack but not 
unlike Jack. It's just different. I was vaping like different, some different tones. Some Jack wreck before I came on uh, from a group out here. Uh, Jack Herrera crossed to train wreck. So talk about like beta pining heavy and that super like Jacky smell, like that oh, yeah. sharp, uh, almost citrusy, like just sharp as hell. It hits it's like a nose floor really cleaner kind of. Yeah, very cleaner esque. And um, I like that for daytime. It's like good focus, uplifting uh, stuff for me. So shout out to Creme de Canna. Um, that's one of the brands that grows it. And they're one of the social equity brands. They kind of don't have like fancy labels or branding or anything, but the cannabis and concentrate is really fucking good. So, um, and 710 Labs is the other one. I was trying to think like last week, I think I was naming off like good brands in the legal market, maybe on another, even on another show. Um, but it was those, those two that I forgot. And the, um, yeah, so just shout out to those. <laughs> Um, I wanted to bust your balls a little bit on Jackie smell. Come on, man. You gotta be careful what we say here. <laughs> Jackie smell. Well, like out here, there was a period where Jack was grown so often and same with train wreck that people were like, I don't want anything that smells like Jack. I don't yeah. want any Jack crosses. I don't want any Jack. <laughs> yeah. Shit. My buddy's still blowing up, uh, the J the J one cut out there has been around for fuck dude. Like, he must have had, he's must, he, dude, he's probably had that thing for like damn near 20 years now. My buddy, Brett, fucking, I know the guy who made the J1 out here in San Diego. Well, my buddy's buddy, I'm, I'm in that circle. Like how you were with the bull rider in San Diego, the J1 crew is who I run with. And I've been fortunate enough to have it been passed my way a few times. And that's a big yielder, crazy, yeah, uh, that's strong why he smell. Grows it. It's like three plus a light, easy if you know what you're doing on the old school HPS stuff. And like a lot of guys have switched over to ceramic metal halides, and it really shines there, in my opinion, more so than uh, under even some of the more modern LEDs. Weirdly enough, what do you guys think about that whole? Um, I think Kevin Drodry is one of the first people I heard putting out the idea that like some stuff like OG Kush, because it was grown under HPS for so long, maybe does better under the certain light spectrum that it was bred and grown under. Do you have any? Uh, ideas or thoughts on that i feel like it'd be a really um i feel like it, it I, I feel like that kind of an adaptation wouldn't wouldn't cause a whole lot of a change i guess it would really depend on what exactly is changing but i feel like i don't know i feel i feel like that's probably not true yeah I think it's dude, how are you gonna how can you backtrack hundreds of thousands of years of evolution in a few generations it seems unlikely i could believe it if i saw some research but it seems unlikely here's what like to give more uh, reference on the situation so like he would be in a situation where he ran a nursery so he'd be giving out stuff to a bunch of people or somebody's growing it under hps some people are growing at greenhouse some people are growing at full sun and then he would see the different examples of how it expresses and in many cases i think maybe he just preferred the people that were growing hps and it looks a certain way has a certain terpene profile because whether it's hps or any other different spectrum like i personally think led makes the terpiest frostiest bud and biggest yields per watt used with the modern leds but uh, a lot of people love their HPS. Like Noah the Groa kills it with HPS, and I'd, it might be tough for him to transition like overnight because of the way that his setup is. So um, it's definitely tough. And I, I'm curious, Noah, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you know, I've I've had a little experience with people's LEDs and in, in their rooms and stuff. And I mean, I think if so long as you're you got your you know everything else on point, your environment and stuff, I think light 
can do that. I know a buddy of mine, uh, we were in HBS for a long time, and then he switched to like uh, the badass Kavita lights, LEDs. And he told me at first he was just getting like similar numbers. And then he said within like, like two harvests, he'd like doubled it. So, I mean, I, you know, and this is a, you know, this dude knows what he's doing. So I was like, oh, wow. So I, I know that, you know, different lights, you can, you know, achieve different stuff. So. Yeah, I feel like it would be more likely that that kind of light would have a specific effect on the physiology directly rather than it being some sort of like, you know, evolutionary adaptation. Well, this, this is my, I mean, I'm agreeing with you guys, but this is my thoughts on it. And that's like, if we suspend the having to have proof that it happened and we just accept that, okay, we'll, we'll pretend that that's the case, that the plant adjusted to that light and is now optimized for that light. Well, if you put it under another light, isn't it just going to do the same thing? Isn't it just going to optimize itself? So after a few runs or whatever, this plant is, I mean, we get three, four runs a, a year. If you're running inside, you're going to have four generations a year. It shouldn't take long to have that plant adapt to the new light source. So I think that's kind of a wash. It's not really an argument. Well, and my buddy who grew a decade, vegan dojo, dojo DNA, I reference him often, under greenhouse and full sun only, he sent me seeds and I grew them under artificial indoor light and they grew fantastically. Amazingly, they grew, like I got expressions that maybe he's never even seen because he only grew them outside. And I grew them under certain spectrums that he didn't have them adapted to. So like I saw different things, but it, they both did great. I don't think that there is necessarily, I think really what was happening. And I thought this for a long time because I read High Times growing up and I loved the pictures of buds that were grown under HPS for most of the time. Uh, they're very like, golf ball like dense i think a lot of the led growers when they're switching over before they get it dialed in maybe brought a little too high dli and you see a lot of the fox tailing and like white hairs even late and stuff like that the bud just doesn't look as um dense and frosty as you see under a lot of the hps rooms mm -hmm. so it i do think it comes down to dialing in the environment getting the proper amount of light to the canopy and, and knowing how much light to run in a room because if you're just like oh well replace a thousand watts of a thousand watts in my opinion you're going to go overboard so it's definitely a balance point, especially for people switching, because um, it's so easy to get used to like running at 75 degrees in the room. And then you find out about like leaf surface temperature and maybe LEDs should be run a little bit hotter. And that adjustment alone, I think like Noah's buddy said, oh, I'm getting similar weight as I used to get on HPS. Maybe he figured out, oh, if I run it a little bit warmer or dial in my VPD or, or something else that he wasn't doing before, then he was able to double his previous production, which is sort of uh, what I'm seeing in my own personal experience and as well as many other gardeners I've seen switch over. Tao, I know you've got a mix of the lights over there. Uh, do you ever grow the same cut under different lights and uh, what do you think about the variations? Well, so far, uh, all of my flowering has been under, done under HPS, but I have all my veg now covered with, uh, with LEDs. So, I have noticed a difference though when I put them from the you know, like my T5s, which used to be fluorescent under under the LEDs, they definitely started that red. That you know they they definitely had nutrient problems that I had to attend to. Um, but now even the T5s, I got all you know LED replacement bulbs for that. So, but um, I'm I'm ready to start. Uh, I'm ready to try an LED and flower. So I'm going to do that shortly.
Spartan, I know, I think, I don't know at least, at Mitten Canico, don't you guys veg under LED and flower under HPS as well? Our flower rooms are mixed, but yeah, we have mostly HPS. So we have two rows of HPS and one row of LED. We have those Fluence high bays or whatever in the middle. So yeah, we're all LED and veg. And then we, the thing is, is these fucking, you're going to get me bitching. These fucking LED companies want to fucking design all these fucking LEDs for basement grows. And that doesn't really transfer to commercial grow when you have all these wide spread out lights with bars and stuff then you have to have the fucking lights close to the canopy which means you have to fucking adjust lights all the time so those high bay uh what are they called the fluence uh shit i don't know what they remember what they're called they literally like they look like what you would see in greenhouses they're very small it's like a truss a truss light they're yeah. meant for the truss of a greenhouse exactly and those things we just keep them way up high and they just light up the whole fucking room it's fucking beautiful they're like light cannons. It's crazy when you look at how much, like, they could be a thousand watt bar and it will cover just like, just pounds. Hangars are like down. six something, 670 or something like that. So, is that the reason why you haven't switched out all the HPSs? Because you haven't no, found it's a the cost thing, right? So, we're just uh, okay. replacing them all the time. And we've had one company actually offer to do a whole room for us. So, we might have to do that because you can't turn down a free light. Shit. You got to get on, uh, what's his name, GML's level and get the fucking uh, adjustable thing full of Diablos when you're I've already talked. To, I've already talked to Steven, the owner, and I told him, I said, hey, we're going to get these damn bar lights in here. <laughs> we're going to have to get get a hold of Lift and Grow because I don't want to be, because I'm the guy that does that. I don't want to be adjusting these lights so much. And so he's, I don't know, he's, he's had, so he had some concerns. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not, or if it's just going to be me going up and down a ladder, but I'm going to have some strong ass legs, man. And the arms, shit, of, pulleying, <laughs> hitting those fucking ratchet things up there. <laughs> the amount of fixtures GML has in that space is, I'm jealous. I mean, it looks like there is no room for any more. Yeah, it looks so uniform and so perfect. It looks, it looks great. Is he dimming those down at all? Because I just have to imagine it's over, if he had them all at 100%, unless he's maxing out CO2, like, I, I, I gotta wonder. I don't even know. I'll have to ask him next time, uh, next Friday, if I can remember. Because those Diablos put out a, a shit ton of light, and they're super efficient. And yeah, he's, have he's that really high. He's a stickler about CO2. He likes that ramped up big time. I'm curious, man. I, I, I root for him. It just seems like a lot of, and hopefully this pushes him to do better. But a lot of the times in his grows that I followed throughout the years, he'd like go on vacation and then like blame the plant sitter and be like, oh, so-and-so messed up. And now I got to recover this. And like, we didn't have a great run. We could have done better numbers, this and that. And it's like, now you've got everything. You built the facility from the ground up. You got all the lights you want. You got everything you want. So if something messes up this run, like it's on you, buddy. Like, yeah, so well, you know, he's, he's actually publicly said it too. So Yo, even he when said, he complains. The, so this the, was the joke. This was the joke. He said he didn't feel like he... He had that he'd earned the title grandmaster level anymore. And so I've been just calling him level for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I'll tell We're you what, adequate though, level. <laughs> he's a perfectionist because those crops that he's like, yeah, we could have done way better. They were not, they were not, you know, bad at all. They just weren't great, you know. So that's another thing. He's a perfectionist a little. And just not when he knows little. he could have got yeah, he's more, ridiculous right. perfectionist. When he knows he could have got more or it could have been better, he, he'll he'll you know he'll he'll point it out. And 
yeah, yeah definitely pretty hard on so. him for sure well and i think he really wants to be fair on the lights as of an evaluation he's like these really could have done more i had my people fucked up or i fucked up or we did this wrong and we could get more out of it um i'm not sure what numbers brandon's putting out i haven't gotten to look at them yet but i i'm sure they're similarly close if not better and uh you're doing a great job over there too brandon so i'm curious what your thoughts are on the whole lighting thing because i don't think you touched on it too too much uh but do you notice any of those differences from like old school clones being run under an HPS versus now that you're running a predominantly LED or almost exclusively LED, I think? So I run uh, LEDs in my container and then all HPS in the mixed light greenhouses because that's what we could afford. Uh, but um, as far as the uh, container, I'm not, I'm just doing breeding and stuff right, right now. Um, at the at Majestic facility, which I don't work there anymore. Um, I'm just doing my own thing. Uh, they were using, I think, 460 or 480 watt LED boards. And, you know, you could do easily, you know, uh, 60 pounds out of that, uh, out of, uh, it's like a, 40 light room so that's like, it's 19, like 19 it's like 19 something thousand watts a little over 19,000 watts and you were pulling about 60 pounds yeah I'm trying to work the numbers backwards on this for the people because I know most people aren't that good at mental math. I've done the math before. I just don't remember it. But yeah, I think they're uh, 480. They're the they're the old. Um, they're the old uh, HLGs before they started manufacturing the uh, 600 model. Yeah, you had the V2 R spec, I think is what it was called. They're 480 watts. Um, you were pulling about 19,200 watts of LED and yeah. harvesting about 27,240 uh, grams. If it was 60 pounds, is roughly that 454 times 60. So definitely clear over the one gram a watt. You got, I mean, 19, almost 10,000 extra grams on top of the one gram a watt, which is pretty damn good across. Uh, 19,200 used, uh, 27,240 divided by 19,200, 1.418 grams per watt out of the HLG V2 R specs, which is pretty damn respectable at commercial scale and completely organic everything. So uh, hats off to that, Brandon. I'm definitely well, curious. I haven't me. tested yet. So that's the next thing. We'll see if... Uh... So I'm going to, I'm going to put an automatic fertigation system in there and I'm going to do like kind of a custom nutrient blend using all the organic inputs. Cause I have some, um, I'm going to do some amino, amino chelated micronutrients. Um, because what I'm seeing on sap is, uh, you can have sufficient amounts in soil and even falling into solution. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly what's happening. It's not being transported or it's not being uptakes. There's some kind of disconnect in there. So I'm just looking for years an option, maybe. 
Exactly. So amino chelated micronutrients can be foiler applied, or they can be used as, you know, in conjunction as like, oh, I need micronutrient blend, I can water that in. So I'm going to see um, what that looks like on a SAP test. But that's really what I want to do first. I want to get all these data sets because I have all my data sets. I'll work through through them all. And then I'm just going to build a nutrient feeding program off of the data that I've collected and see if, um, you know, because the thing with those LEDs, man, you got to like be able to have your, your room needs to be at the right VPD, the temperatures. It's like, especially if you're running them close to the canopy, like I don't think I can turn up the 465 watt ones that I have that are ver in that vertical system because they're too close to the canopy. I don't think I can turn them up higher than maybe like 65%. Because I'm only, you know, maybe like at, at the start of it, I can be probably around three feet away from it, but they're going to grow. So they grow so fast that, um, you know, they're, you know, six inches away from those lights by, you know, when they're finished stretching. I had a question going back to uh, the Majestic facility, just because you have the numbers going out and you no longer work there. So it's sort of just like you're uh, unbiased looking back at how things went. And um, you said the numbers that you got per uh, somebody, I think it was Smiley's Garden in the chat said what they measure by is grams per square foot, uh, you know, per harvest yeah. or how many harvests you get per year. So and I think it's like this. Hold on a second. Six. The so the tables are or the tables there were uh, sixteen feet long, five feet wide, and there was ten of them. So six by ten by fifteen, right? Sixteen by five by ten, eight hundred square feet. So there's your uh, answer for Smiley. If you want to work the numbers backwards, you can on that one. I know um, grams per square foot is definitely something if you're growing in a small space or a large space that can be worth trying to increase the amount of, like I'm in only five square feet and trying to get the maximum amount of grams out of that five square feet as possible. Uh, I do the same concept of grams per square foot. 30, is, uh, it's about 34, 35. That's solid. I know people that double stack, they can get up into the, like Kyle Cushman claims like closer to like the seventies, but he has two rows um, in that square foot technically um, but yeah definitely I'm curious I've seen numbers but a lot of people like these people claim this stuff and then their businesses go out of business they're like publicly traded like Canadian companies or some shit and they're like oh yeah we get 45 grams per square foot and then they're bankrupt and it's like well were you growing mids or were you not actually hitting those numbers or like what, what else was going on so it's it's just one metric um, I think that your product is undeniable and uh, the tests say it and the visuals agree with it. And all the people that have gotten to try it um, have had good things to say about it so far that I've seen. So uh, big ups to you over there doing good things. Uh, Spartan, how long do you think, it, do you guys have a plan, I guess, at Mitten Canico to transition to LED? Because it seems like when I first saw you guys, it was all HPS in the flower rooms and this LED thing is a new uh, addition. It used to just be the veg was LED, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it's, it's costly getting in, so. You know, as we are profitable, we can afford to upgrade. And that's kind of the 
the way we're going. Sorry, my mom is blowing up my phone right now. <laughs> it's all good. Cheers, uh, Mama Spartan Grown. She she collects tins and she got a new tin, so she's excited to show it to me. But yeah, so um, we right now I think I think they actually just put that middle row in the last room. So every room has a row of LED in it now. So the next step will be, you know, actually replacing HPS. And that's when we're going to start seeing some savings because, you know, we've just been adding light to the rooms. Um, so because we only had the two rows of HPS and we, we've just recently added a third row down the middle of LED. And now we'll just replace those HPS probably one-to-one -one with LEDs. That's kind of why I haven't uh, replaced my, my HPS too. It's just, it's just the cost. Um, but like I said, I've, I've heard people say that if you get a really high end light, that it pays for itself right away. But man, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to just retire gear like that, I guess, you know. I always like the saying, uh, don't fix what isn't broken. And in your case, like you have a killer system. So it's, it's tough to like say, oh, I'm going to just go fix the system up. Even though there's like new st stuff out there, you're getting good numbers per what you've got. You've got all your air conditioning size, per your lights, um, you know your space, you know the cultivars you're running. So it's gonna, like, even if you decide like, I'm going to take one HPS down and put one LED up to start, like yeah. that might work, but you might have some difficulties with that for a number of- yeah, Well, that's the thing is you can't really do that. It's like really the best move is to totally replace it. And uh, that's why I think so many people drag their feet on doing it because it's a massive undertaking to fucking adjust everything. Yeah, I say, Noah, keep the HPS because in a few years, Kevin Jodry will be looking for some OG Kush and he'll want it under HPS and you'll be the only guy with it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to I've got, I, I need clarification from chat. So I was just tagged by Chad Westport and Chad. And he says one-to-one -one or watt for watt at Spartan Grown. I have no idea what that refers to. Like one-to-one -one lights or watt-to-watt watt LED. Oh, it's not watt for watt. So yeah, okay. So it would be one. It would be fixture for fixture. Uh, our HPS are running at a thousand watts, and we'll be replacing them with, I'm assuming, something in the six hundred watt range. Going back to the grams per square foot thing, Smiley just was clarifying earlier. He was just trying to say like, if you had a twelve week plant versus an eight week plant, or in the case where like I've seen guys like the Scrog King who will veg a plant for like half a year and then veg it into a four by four and like yield a pound plus off of one plant in a four by four but it's like he only gets like however many harvests per year so if you're getting two harvests per year and getting a pound per crop you get two pounds right you'd be better off to grow five or six crops and get like a half pound each crop and not take so long to veg it out so that is kind of the idea where he's getting it and i do agree with that i'm personally bad about because i grow from seed every time uh not like i just flip uh, Amy is just a flower and I'm all, all excited watching it stretch and I should have popped seeds like a few weeks ago because the amount of time I'm vegging to like have a plant ready to go into flower it's roughly about the same time that it takes for the plant to flower so like 60 days or less roughly like that nine week period from seed it, I can train the plant and have it ready but I usually wait and then have downtime between harvest and uh, it's good to keep a schedule and work your timelines backwards so you don't miss out on like probably a harvest per year with those few weeks that add up to a whole crop Cause like that was one thing when I first started growing that I didn't consider like people are like so fixated. I want that eight weeker versus the nine weeker or even a 10 weeker. And like if you, 
people think about it and it's easy to look at it on paper, but like an eight weeker versus a 10 weeker, you get two extra weeks each harvest. So four harvests per year, you get yourself an extra crop. That's the fifth crop right there. And a lot of people think that maybe they want that longer flowering thing and maybe they do. Maybe that's the best medicine for them. So it's worth getting one less crop per year if you're getting the exact and cannabinoids that you're looking for. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it makes intuitive sense that having a whole extra harvest would probably outpace, you know, a little bit more chunk um, on the plants. But um, I could see it going either way. You know what I mean? Well, what's more important? Is it yield or is it quality? Or and are you limited? Are you limited by plant count? Are you only allowed six plants? Do you have to grow monsters? There's so many factors, but. Yes. Um, do you have to sacrifice quality to, to do a running young strain? Have you guys ever run like a 14 week strain? It's different. Fuck yeah. You have to have, yeah. it has a higher, usually has higher nutri- uh, nutritional requirements. For me, uh, 12 weeks is the longest I've personally taken a plant. And um, I've heard good things about the 16 and 22 week sativas, but I just haven't had the patients personally i know that like some people's strategy is if you have like a perpetual harvest you stick that like long flowering sativa over in the corner and then you've got your other stuff that cycles through so you've got like a plant here that's in like week two a plant here that's in like week four one in week six and you're pulling one down and then you've got your like sativa over there and you're like ah is it ready yet no it's not i'll just fucking let it keep going and you've still got yourself some smoke while you just got that kind of unique thing over there and sure enough i'm like most people, if you get to share it with your friends or family or whoever, um, somebody will end up loving that really long flowering sativa and be like, that's the one for me. Like, that's my only one. And then you'll get stuck growing it for the rest of your life if you're uh, committed to your patients. Hey, guys, I got to get out of here. Uh, my dog is down here and he is hungry. He's being a bully and knocking things around. So it's about time for me to sign off. Say hi to Chubby Chase for us. I will. I'll see you guys all later. Peace out, Brandon. Thanks for your uh, input. Yeah, literally and metaphorically. Always happy to have him. Uh, I didn't even realize that he's no longer with Majestic Craft Cannabis, so now I can just say with Black Label Organics and Bokashi Earthworks and at rust.brandon on Instagram is the best place to find him or bokashieearthworks.com. Uh, I'm going to recommend to a family member his Micro Plus because uh, their grow is doing all right, but I think it could be thriving a little bit more in that Micro Plus and maybe a little bit of uh, his Amino N Plus will probably kick it up to the next level for those organic growers out there. Definitely check out his stuff. He's got some uh, killer products from the Bokashi to everything else. Does anybody have any final topics? We've got about half an hour, 15 minutes until Spartan Grown hits the road. So I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts or uh maybe questions from the chat that you wanted to get to this week? Man. I yeah. Um, I was gonna say, oh, you got something good. Cause I was saying, I can't think of shit. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I guess I would just want to echo that. Um, I, I am kind of excited. I really liked the uh, conversation I had recently. Like literally I had two live streams today, this one and the one right before it on my Instagram. And, um, you know, it was just, a, it, I just found it really enlightening because the individual, um, they did their thesis on get this, like 
basically they found like a hypovirulent strain of a fungus. So one that doesn't, that does not, this is not like really cause uh, disease symptoms in the host. And what they did was they applied it to the plant and the, and so normally this strain is actually, this, this species of um, fungus is a pathogen, but since this one isn't, it actually excludes the pathogen from being able to like take up residence in the plant. And that's pretty cool to me. And um, so we talked about a bunch of like heady, you know, soil and just general microbiome like, also, interactions like, and dynamics. Just I'm interested. So, so maybe you got into it, but uh, did it also kind of do the uh, what the fuck is it called? The SAR? The, the, uh, oh, the, um, it, the SAR? Yeah, it stimulate the immune system of the plant. Like it was under attack by a fungus to be like, on guard it's almost more so that wasn't like so that wasn't like the um direct intent but uh and we didn't quite get into that but we did talk about how uh pretty much in all cases um when and when you have an endophyte particularly like a fungal endophyte but really bacterial fungal whatever um they have to def- and he put it very um sharp he put it very sharply uh, not to mince words, they have, they have to, they have to go through the immune system to do that. And, um, and I articulate that as you have to defeat the immune system. So some way they have to convince, you know, however you want to use it. Sometimes it's more forceful, <laughs> I guess, than others. And, um, we've talked about how symbioses are, it can go from like mutual to not, but I'm sure that there was some level of like, resi- uh, uh, immune system elicitation because of the foreign agent in the body. Which I think is really interesting. One other fun fact that I learned just yesterday, last night, in fact, from my buddy Steve Reisner from Potent Ponics, he was saying that they have actually taken the gene out of the cannabis plant that is the um, autoflower gene, the ruderalis. And they're putting it into other vegetables to try to force flowering faster and increase production. That's interesting. I thought that was crazy. I'm like, oh man. So that's yeah. particularly interesting because I feel like I feel like there's other plants that could have done that easier with. So it's just surprising to me. I wonder if there's like something unique about um, you know, ruderalis. It's yeah. massive production and it's really resistant it's drought well, we're talking we're just talking about the we're just talking about bolting or you know going to yeah, flower like right the tr- the trigger effect or whatever yeah maybe they feel like that with cannabis it's you know you're usually not just getting one thing you're usually getting a gene package so like that package that comes along or whatever that trait that allele that they believe that they've targeted maybe they're crispering in to other plants i don't know how it's happening but maybe there like is it's for the reasoning but they have a control, right? They have one that's a photo and one that's an that's a auto. So they can kind of like go, these genes mean this and those genes mean that, and they can just like, Yeah. I feel like they, w- well, a lot of that stuff is uh, conserved between plants. So not they, all of them, but. Um, I'm, did they find like, since cannabis is such a money crop, did they actually study like any other plants genetically as, as much as they're doing cannabis right now? I mean, we really understand bolting for a lot. I mean, it's it's been like necessary for the human 
species. Right, like, there is one plant that has the whole the genome, genome mapped. sequence. Yeah, the genome sequence. It's like a fern. Of other plants. Okay. There's one like a fern that they've done everything on. They've done. Oh, they've done. They've done more. They've done trees too. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying there's on one that's like notoriously well studied. Like they've yeah, looked at it like yeah. pretty much every way that you can categorize it and look at it, genome sequence it. Um, there, I can't think of the name of the plant. Dr. MJ referenced it one time, and I looked into it. and I was like, "Holy shit!" There is a lot of, but cannabis is one of the most widely studied plants. Maybe Arabidopsis. They use, not a, yeah, they use that. Press. They use that a lot in a lot of. I wanted to cut in here and make sure I was uh, good on my source here. Smashed cannabis. Shout out to you in chat, reminding me that was on the Fumador in the. Is it called Fumador in the play? I think it's just called. Oh, that's Fumador. Fumador in the flavors. Yeah. Just go to his show. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he called. Oh, it's called the uh, Bruise and Bruise and Buds. Buds. There's the Saturday Saturday night show. Yeah, Thanks different for names putting for the different days. I was trying to remember. It's all coming. My my <laughs> mind is just a little bit slow right now. I've been smoking. A little no, bit. for sure. I no, that's say, I, hey. honestly that's interesting. I I I wasn't trying to like knock it. I was just saying that it was surprising based on that context. But that's really cool. It's honestly. surprising to me too because if I would have thought, oh, CRISPR is a thing, right? You can like take like maybe traits from a tomato and put it into cannabis or traits from whatever whatever you want to try and splice into cannabis. I thought it would have been going the traditional like food and fruits and trying to like bring like, oh, let's put that strawberry into the cannabis, like how people talk about the strawberry cough story and things like that. That's what I thought would have been happening. But to hear that it's taking the cannabis genes and putting it out into like the food, because to me, there's so many non-cannabis people, I would be worried that, okay, like let's say you've got autoflower cucumbers or whatever, but the autoflower gene came from cannabis and now you've got like the Bible Belt type of people that are like, I'm not going to eat that autoflower and cucumber cannabis cross because it's the devil's cucumber or whatever, you know? Devil's so, lettuce cross. That's right. Literally, yeah. Like what Nobody if we <laughs> pays that much attention, they don't give a shit where their food comes from. Many people don't right. know that's very true. Uh, but yeah, one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> I want to answer a question really quick. Eric is asking me, it's a good question, uh, specifically about autoflower germination. He says, do you have any tips on germination and seedling transplanting with autos? I'm trying my first autos and I'm one for three on germination and zero for one on transplant. So I try to keep it real fucking simple with autos. And what I do is I do the same thing I do with like a fucking clone. I use a root riot cube. I get a nice moist root riot cube and I throw a seed, just put it in there until it's past the top of the hole. I don't want to push it down very far at all. And then I throw it in my little cube holder that I put my, my clones into it's the same, same one in that clone dome. And then when it pops, as soon as it pops out and I see that it's popped out, I take it right out of there. Cause I don't want to have to worry about trying to harden it off and all that bullshit. And I plant it right in its final pot most, like 98% of the time. Uh, some people will put them in smaller cups or, or one-gallon pots and then do a transplant, but it's easy. I mean, autoflowers, I mean, it's not terrible hard to do a transplant, but if, if you fuck up the transplant, it's going to stunt the autoflower and you're going to get a terrible yield out of it. So, so much easier just to throw it in this final pot and forget about it and let it do its thing. I've seen yeah. so many autos that are like, this big like an eighth or smaller because they probably transplanted and it got stunted or maybe the taproot hit the bottom of a solo cup or shot glass or whatever it was started in and they didn't transplant it soon enough to the final yeah. cup yeah. they're like literally this big and that big around and there's a guy who actually grows them in shot glasses because like he can't trim uh stunted art which i'll probably pull up this page just because it's very visually pleasing but yeah definitely uh want to get like Spartan said earlier with the purple microdot, it's nice when you can grow a uh, auto that is as big as a photo. Um, 
it's you some people want the smaller plants but it's uh satisfying to see an auto be able to perform like that that's fucking amazing when you see that because you're not used to an auto being that big and vigorous and crazy that stunted art uh instagram feed is pretty cool he he uh recently posted one where i think he he identified a boron deficiency because in those little pots you know but he he claimed it was from a a ph lockout but uh it was really interesting the colors that came up on that uh deficiency so for those who don't know stunted art is a instagram page where they grow in basically the equivalent of like a shot glass sized um solo cup looking thing and they have like trays full of them and i think that they just uh they have like a pumice stone on the top is what you're seeing uh tau's talking a little bit about this is what molybdenum deficiency looks like oh uh, that's what it people was of planet earth molybdenum yeah so um the, the first person i actually heard talk about molybdenum deficiency and like it being purple was actually potent ponic steve uh he has been looking at plant like brandon a lot of tissue analysis and and uh sap tests and things like that and he realized, oh, I've got all these purple plants and tested and there wasn't any molybdenum. So going back to the whole purple stem, purple leaf, purple bud conversation, um, purple leaf can be a sign of molybdenum deficiency. So anthocyanin production can be a deficiency response uh, in this case, where it's very clear that you can see like, oh, they just grew. Um, this is That's when they actually crazy. stepped it up to a little bit large. This is like a large pot for them. <laughs> they do like a menorah kind of style little grows um but yeah they definitely have a talent for growing in small containers i'll go back yeah, a little bit further down straight their page. up they're not topping it they're just growing straight up it looks like yeah scroll down a little straight up. yeah the older posts are there you go yep. more their style i would say <laughs> that one long ass stocky plant that's crazy as hell uh that's still in that same tiny ass little solo cup but it looks like they're like supporting the roots but yeah this this page is just so fun to look at because it shows you what is like the uh, end of the spectrum, like the smallest possible pot that you can flower a plant in. And they've been doing it for a long time. These are not fake pictures. I would definitely vouch for the fact that I see this person growing them. <laughs> like they've done it many, many, many times. They show off the root balls and everything. So definitely a cool page to so, check out. <laughs> I've oftentimes, when, if I'm growing a plant from seed and I've got to sex it, I'll I'll take when it gets big enough, take a cut, cutting off of it, just throw it in a cup of water, put it in the flower room and wait to sex it. Well, I did that one time and it was a female. So I just took that and it had rooted by that time. So I just took and put it into a solo cup and then I kept it in the flower room and it turned out something like those. Not quite that big, not like that, but I mean, it had like four or five branches and I might've, I had enough to, by the time, by the time I trimmed the fucking thing up, I had enough to smoke a joint. So I was able to try that bud right as like smoke it right as I was actually cutting down the big plant that went in. So I was able to kind of get a preview of the bud. It was kind of cool. Not worth all the time, but it was a cool little side project I did. It's a lot of effort for a, like one gram taster. This is a can of bonsai Academy. Similarly, like small plants intentionally stunted. Uh, don't grow like this. If you're looking for production for your medicine, obviously like Dr. MJ has mentioned in the past, this is, mainly for just likes on Instagram and for the challenge. I think that there is um, something appealing about being able to make a plant like grow and look like it never would otherwise. And cool things. There's another guy, Kenna Bonsai Manny uh, is the other one, but yeah, they have some 
really amazing pages on uh, Instagram out there showing off some of the different, uh, I guess, growing techniques that necessarily I wouldn't implement intentionally, but it's cool to see this might even be the same uh, person running both of these accounts. Manny is the cannabis side person, but yeah, there's a few different accounts. Like one of them has a, um, a crystal ball in there. I'm trying to remember the name of that page, but I'm blanking a little bit. I'd imagine as most of us our own medicine uh, that nobody's actually tried any of these techniques. Has, has anybody other than like maybe a solo cup grow? Spartan has the cup shot glass growing for sexing the plant and getting a bud out of it. But has anybody else tried anything? That's like my favorite way to <clears throat> test out a new strain. I had a, a buddy sent me a Jack Rare and, you know, you never know a Jack Rare. So I put a solo cup outside the trailer last year and, oh my God, I had one bowl's worth and I was like, yep, that's it that's it and it was super nutrient deficient and shit like that so it's it's a good way to stress test the genetics as well at the same time but i, I love it outside dude i've taken fucking branches you know when i'm lollipopping i've taken fucking literal branches like i can't fit in the screen you know like this big like i don't know three foot long shaved all the fucking branches off it except for the top four three branches and just jammed it in the fucking bank of a fucking pond and that motherfucking rooted and grew into a plant. I didn't even do shit. Fucking this, this shit is, you know, people think that cloning is so hard and they're so scared to do shit. I'm like, just try, man. Just try. You guys make it so fucking complicated when it can be so easy. I will say, um, you know, I've been running clones in those root riot plugs for like uh, more than a decade. And in the last couple of years, they seem like they have started getting really shitty and i thought i was yeah. just getting really bad at cloning but it turns out that's like a real thing so i want to say i want to give like a recommendation to people check out floriflex um clone plugs they're like a good alternative and they have biochar in them tau so i know you won't you can uh release your grip on me about that because i i do like that it has the biochar in it and it's definitely a great way to start um clones i had impossible freaking strains root every single one of them rooted and i'm like this is okay this is what it's supposed to be like i remember this now so check out floor flex well thanks for that tip dude because yeah i just recently saw someone was busting chops on the root riot plugs or one of the one of the brands because apparently it came with like some oh i think angel uh posted on it, it was a it was some sort of fungal growth, I think, but it was like not detrimental. Do you remember that, Sink Angel? I'll so see if I can find. It was a someone did a post about root right cubes being contaminated with um, fungal growth, and I noticed you po posted. Oh, I bet it was that yellow. I bet it was that yellow parasol mushroom that everyone gets, or it might have been uh, like an ink cap, Prinus, or something like that. And you had pointed out it was not detrimental to to the growth, but it, it was still like a was mushroom. not. It was like a mushroom, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Was it like black or yellow? It was orangish, and then it had white, like in some. It was all white underneath. Where the uh, I'll see if I can find the post. Okay. I I don't think I'll be able to, but. <laughs> uh, you know, people get. I mean, on that note, I just want to say that, like, if there's a if there's like a mushroom growing out of your potting soil or your living soil or whatever you're growing um yeah I, I think that a lot of the times 
especially if it's like a like a basidium I see kind of mushroom like a traditional mushroom I wouldn't be too worried about it um it might mean that your substrate's a little bit moist but um yeah I like that you brought that up Tao I hear people say that oh now you can assume your soil is fungal dominant when they see a mushroom right like, <laughs> is that a, a true sign or is that just sort of a, a guesstimate there's got to well, be at least some fungal. About, we talked about that in that video in that igtv two hours by the way i'm gonna have a lot of time editing that and putting it on the channel but um uh yeah i mean like i would say no because and even if you had like dominance versus diversity is also another question that I think is also maybe hard to answer as well. I think presence. I think presence is the correct word there. Fungal the only correct, probably the safest word, perhaps. Yeah. Is there anything that parades like a mushroom that's not a mushroom? Like I know there's like a lot of flies yes. that pretend to be bees. Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, there's actually, have you ever heard of, um, oh, is it called dead man's fingers is that what it's called hold on i forget at the moment all those little white pipes ghost pipes like that ghost pipes yeah aren't those uh those are actually a, a fungus i believe yeah i think yeah, those are but, actually a fungus but i'm thinking of um i'm thinking of those uh gosh uh those plants that have no chlorophyll in them and they're parasites um not lichen no, no. Um, I bet come. I bet the chat already knows what I'm talking about through the collective intelligence of the internet. Uh, they're saying ghost fingers. Uh, that's a guess by Smiley's Garden. I'm not seeing any other guesses yet. It might be called like. Anywho, I mean there are there are like, there, I mean there are plants that pretend to be decaying corpses like the Rafflesia uh, flowers. For example, but uh, for funky, is that the known as the corpse flower? For yeah. Up? So yeah, they had one of those in the San Diego Botanical Garden, and my wife and uh, friend and I went there, and it, it does smell pretty rancid and awful. So if you have the opportunity, I, I'd say maybe pass on that. It's a giant ass plant, and it's not the prettiest, but it smells fucking gross. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. So I'm talking about. Monotropa uniflora, which are which is the ghost pipe or Indian pipe, but that is a plant, not a fungus. So, and uh, yeah, it, if you've ever seen pictures of it, they're just it's just like a white plant. Um, but uh, that didn't answer your question. So, no, well, I, I, I guess <laughs> related back to IPM, I guess like how how common is it that bugs are sort of like. Uh, acting like a different one or like disguising themselves with some sort of camouflage and that regard. Oh, all the time all the time um it's honestly it's kind of amazing to me because like just the concept that like something like a uh, bastion mimicry or like a uh, mullerian mimicry where like if you're trying to pretend to be something that's dangerous when you're not that's really interesting to me um and it's it's interesting because like some some camouflage is super, I guess from to our vision, really difficult to see the difference. Like the color, um, it, you know, the color and texture is very 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 close. Like with like stick insects and leaf bugs and things like that. But uh, some things like eye spots, 
you know, that look maybe like an owl face or, or some other organism, um, or like, you know, uh, jumping spiders that look like ants. Sometimes it's really sophisticated, whereas other times it's like, that doesn't really look like, you know, a, a threat. Like I can see the difference, but it's amazing to me that it still works as well as it does because otherwise it wouldn't have been selected for, you know? So it's just crazy to me that even like a kind of like a, uh, I guess you would say like even like really bad camouflage is still in some instances good enough. You know what I mean? Better than no camouflage at all, I guess. I guess it's so. And in some cases they use it for like hunting, like you were kind of talking about. It can be used both ways, like that fish that has that little fucking light above its head. That oh, yeah, the angler fish fishes. In. Yeah, that's well, definitely shit. duplicitous. <laughs> well, it's about that time that we let Spartan Grown uh, take a break to take care of his dogs, refill his tray and get some water and uh, all that good stuff for Michigan Bros Grow Show. So Spartan, any final thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, much love to the chat. Much love to everybody on the panel. I love hanging with you guys. Missed you guys a couple weekends. So I'll try not to do that again. But, you know, summertime is hard, man. It's too many events. I like to get out. That's my favorite fucking thing. It's just get out and meet people and talk to people. And that's what I fucking, I mean, that's, it charges my batteries for the whole winter and gets me through winter. So I'll put, I'll put off virtual if I can get in person, but that's the only way. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Spartan Grown. You can catch me on Instagram or shoot me an email, Gmail. Love you guys. I'm out of here. Keep yeah. growing, man. Keep growing. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming. Keep growing, guys. And definitely Peace enjoy out, those in-person events because uh, who knows, the shit's getting crazy again. So hopefully uh, things will continue to be, you know, open for you to enjoy those events we're but. crazy we're crazy in michigan man we got northern michigan we can disappear we'll find a spot before that weather hits at least uh before the uh winter cold comes to michigan so well, we got ways we get ways to the snow too crafty crafty guys up there all right man have a great week we'll uh catch you on the next one and definitely support michigan bros grow show uh they come on in about 14 minutes so check them out on michigan bros grow show youtube so we've got about 14 minutes left before we give our final shout outs, I guess like probably like 10 minutes and we'll do the last five minutes as a sign out. Does anybody have uh, thoughts or final thoughts or comments they wanted to get in before we get into the shout outs? Uh, you know, yeah, I do. Um, this is sort of superfluous, but Anyways, I was on Twitter, and usually important things don't start off with that sentence, but I'm going to say this. I, I follow this Swift on security, which is like a cybersecurity, physical security Twitter post, and without being loquacious, I'll just say that they said, if it seems like someone would have to know the right answer to be this wrong, that's because they do. And they posted it anyway, which means you are entering an interaction they engineered for a purpose. You're entering a shooting gallery from the wrong end. And I think that's kind of true for a lot of content creation. Like we make content here. We have conversations here as a panel with the chat. I have conversations, presentations, interactions. We all do with multiple people in the space. But um, I don't know, like I, I kind of echo Spartans and a lot of other people's sentiment here. I feel like we're kind of I mean, we try to be authentic and sincere about what we're dealing with, whereas I feel like in other cases, people use techniques and tactics to become more maybe attractive or any number of other things. But I think that they in some way lose a level of sincerity uh, through that process. And I mean, I'm not the sole arbitrator about what that means to anybody, 
But do you know what I'm kind of saying? Do you kind of get the feeling of what I'm saying? That I feel word like... is integrity, my friend. And yes. maintain integrity. high level. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't like, I just don't like seeing that. It, I mean, like it turns me off completely when I see uh, um, an organization, especially like a smaller one. I feel like, you know, I can kind of agree if it's like a big corporate machine, but then, you know, that's the point of like supporting local and people who you know and direct like we were saying with the glass artists for example the worst part is when you see the shift when it goes from like that small mom and pop to like yes they're trying to now sell out to be big corporate or like they've already transitioned they're like here's our new mission we don't give a fuck about the people anymore we're just trying yeah. to make as much money as possible <laughs> and we are gonna fucking sell every piece of you know merchandise this flyer that fly you know they're just gonna advertise the shit out of things and like it's a whole different approach than when it was just like let's how do we make the best quality product or service for our local community and um it is definitely interesting to see that because it happens left and right i i support people growing their business i think uh, a lot of people are doing it incredibly well like there was one ceo who made his minimum wage seventy thousand dollars per year and everybody said oh he's a communist he's uh this and that and he's like I'm going to pay my employees what I think is a fair wage. Cause he said, he saw some study that said it once you make 70 K a year, it like, that's like the minimum threshold to like meet basically like the, I think it's like maximum happiness, like past that level, you don't really get much happier making much more money. So it's like everybody at my company is going to make that level to be, you know, their baseline needs are met and they also have a little extra to play around with and uh, be comfortable. And since I guess that, it depends where you live too. Yeah, it mm. does. But um, I think that even most parts, at least in the U.S., if you budget 70K a year is a livable wage, unless you have like a bunch of kids and it, every circumstance, obviously, you can't make too general of a statement. But the moral of the story is his company has been doing incredibly well. And um, it's like a payments company, I think, but they continue to do very successfully. People were extremely happy with their you know, pay. So they worked harder and the company grew and they've continued to like hire people and pay them well. So. I definitely think that there is the right way to do it and there's the wrong way to do it in life so often. Sometimes you can, not to say that like cheaping out is always the wrong way. Maybe that passes on savings to your customer, your client, like something like this, a little battery and like a vape pen. It doesn't need to be like a million dollars, right? It just needs to work. It doesn't need to cost a bunch of money. Um, but certain things like, you know, they want to build them to last. And um, like this microphone, for example, I think it was built pretty well. Uh, and it's lasted me years and continues to do a good job. So there are definitely, um, just the, to wrap up my thought on this, uh, there's a right way and wrong way of doing things. And I think we try our best to be on the morally good and just side. We're like here to help people. We're not here to shill products. If we do mention products, it's because we use them and we believe in them. Uh, in many cases, in all cases for me, I'm not sponsored by anybody. I have not received a penny for anything. So if you hear me recommend something or not recommend it, it's because I've used it and liked it or used it and it didn't work for me. And I think that's the same for about just about everyone on the whole panel. And I think that is appealing for a lot of the audience for sure. I think that's a good point, but uh, I, I kind of liked what uh, Sink Angel said there. I, uh, I think supporting uh, local and um, trying to be uh, support small businesses and buying local and stuff. And I'm not even just saying that I, I really believe that. And um, I think that if we had more people try and do that kind of stuff, that it would be a better place, but uh, that's just my thing. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I don't think that there's in, there's no inherent good or bad to it, right? Like, um, you could support a local business, but 
you know, maybe the business does things that are not ethical. Like just because you're small doesn't mean that you're not, you know what I mean? But at the same time, but like there, I think it does have some tangible effects on from, from an economic perspective from an ecological perspective. It's not doable for everyone, everything in every context. Um, You know, it's like that saying there's a simple and easy answer to a complicated question that is wrong, you know? (laughs) So but um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to echo that sentiment because I do feel like uh, not that I'm like trying to be contrived to be authentic. That itself might not be authentic. <laughs> you could read about Sartre about that if you want. But um, uh, I just like the interactions that I have. And I feel like it's very organic, whether it's on my Discord channel, whether it's on my YouTube channel or here, when we're talking in the panel. Um, I think what you were just describing reminds me of the meme of, uh, I think it's Steve Buscemi, where he's got like a skateboard over his shoulder and he's like, hey, kids. (laughs) And it's just like him trying to blend in at a high school when he's like clearly older than everybody. Hello, fellow kids. Yeah. Yeah. I I support local for selfish reasons, because where I'm at, uh, there's not a plethora of grow stores. So my local grocery store i try and support at least enough to where it wouldn't go out of business because sometimes i need something that i could just drive there and get it where if i even if i next day it, it seems like a lifetime you know so i oh, think yeah. there's something to be said about that and same thing with my pizza drying up the block if that goes out of business where would i be you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh, dude, that is such a good point that is such a good point i'll tell you right now from experience check this out when i first started growing 11 years ago there was maybe five grocery stores at least within like a 12 mile radius of me dude as soon as they legalized marijuana weed as soon as they legalized it they all started going out of business boom 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 now luckily there's one close to me but literally in my whole city my city's pretty big um there's one and there used to be five so that is a good point a great yeah it's probably owned by sunlight supply aka monsanto bear yes it is It's still right, there's but it's still good to have them. Too. Dude, there's a, a lot of those grocery stores used to be laundries for, for grows. They were just washing money. And <clears throat> once you can make your that's true too. Money, you no longer have to have that laundry. Hell yeah. So there you go. hundred percent. I knew a guy <laughs> that yep. owned a grocery store that used to do that. But I will say this. There was a grocery store over in Portland that uh, it, uh, it used to be called Island Flowers over in Jansen Beach. And the, gro- the guy in there was such a good grower and i would go in there and talk to that guy all the time and his store cut charged 20 percent more than the other store and i would go in there just to talk to the guy i learned a lot from him so you lose that aspect too oh yeah dude i learned so much from like the free consulting that i got from the one dude that who owned the store he was real quick he'd be like all right here's a problem here's a solution in and out but then the his guy underneath him has uh, been a long time grower he's sort of like you know I don't think he made any commission. So he was just there, like whatever hours he was there, I would wait until everybody else got their shit. Store was empty. And I'd just talk to him for like half an hour to an hour sometimes because he, I got to try some of his product and I knew his shit was really good. So he showed me his ways and uh, definitely learned a lot just from being able to go in and out of the grocery store. And unfortunately that one shut down as much as I tried to support it. It's like my tiny ass little home grow wasn't enough, but they opened up some like different shop now that thankfully he's still doing really well. Like I know the guy who owns the business and they opened a new business in there that they do like um, cryotherapy and like the um, little like uh, LED light therapy and stuff like that. So he's uh, doing very well with that. So they transitioned out and don't have to be owned by Monsanto Bear, which is, uh, I think, a win. And I'm about to go have a local sub sandwich 
from uh, Board and Brew here in San Diego, which if Ooh. you've ever been here, try it out because it's fucking delicious. So with hey, that, what's that, what's that good hamburger place? Um, the one that hasn't changed their prices for like decades. Oh, Captain Kino's. It's the uh, dive bar, number one dive bar in San Diego. They, yeah, in the 1970s, this dude bought this place with the money he won playing the game Kino. And he called the restaurant Captain Kino's and he's kept the, re- like, you get a chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and gravy for like $3.45. And it's just like a piled high plate, uh, cash only, but it's a cool place. Definitely a little bit different than your typical place, but uh, shout out to Captain Kino's for sure. And that's awesome. With that, with that said, we've got about four minutes left, a uh, small crew tonight, so we should be able to get through it in time. But uh, before I go and have that sandwich, I'm going to pass it over to Matthew Gates. Yeah, I really liked the interaction. I'm glad that I was able to have those um, or bring up those points recently. And I'm just going to keep it short. If you want to find IPM information, and if you have a problem, please contact me on social media. I'd like to help you out. Uh, if it helps one person out, then uh, it's worth it to me. And in this world, cannabis growers especially have not been supported. So you can find pest information on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol. You can find it on my Instagram account at Sync Angel. And also you can contact me on Twitter at Sync Angel. Thank you so much for joining us. I always appreciate your input. And I do think that what you said about cannabis growers not being supported for a long time uh, was true. And it still is in many places to this day. So I appreciate that you are so and have been so helpful to uh, not just me, but many other cannabis growers in the community. That's a, a valuable thing for so many people. And uh, you've helped save who knows how many plants and gardens at this point. Up to you and all that you do to support the growers. Next up, we got Aaron the grower. Awesome. I'm glad you passed it to me because I wanted to share that sentiment that Matt is just, you know, there's a reason they call you the goat of the IPM world. And it is because you're out there just in the field doing it every day. Dude, how I can't even keep up with your stories, man, where you everybody that posts to you, you respond and you tell them what kind of bug it is. And that's how I met you. And that's how we started our thing. So I'm really grateful that you pulled me into this group and, and that I've met all you guys. Um, it, tonight was really fun. Um, thanks for having me. I am Aaron, the grower, ATG Acres on Instagram, YouTube and .com on the Internet. Uh, look forward to next week. Thanks again for joining us, Aaron. And I'm going to pass it over to Noah, the grower. Uh, man, I just got to echo what these guys said. Uh, big shout out to Shane for bringing me here, man. I feel very blessed to be around all you guys. I've learned a ton. And the main thing is, is that I was just kind of getting complacent. I thought I was the greatest grower. And man, I'm, I've, you guys have all like just challenged me, just trying to like compete with all the, you know, all you guys are like ninjas, every single one of you guys. And, uh, yeah, Sink uh, Angel is a, is a total awesome dude, and all you guys are, and I feel privileged to be here. I really do. I know the girl on Instagram. If you got any questions, you want to check me out, come find me there. Hey, the uh, privilege is all ours, Noah. It's a pleasure to have you each week. I appreciate your input, and I oogle over your garden, how the American one oogles over uh, Rustin Brandon's garden. because, uh, like I said, I grew up on high times and looking at HPS growing frosty-ass buds, and you grow some cuts that I've personally consumed and liked, so... I know someday if I'm ever up in your area, I'd uh, love to link up and try some out for sure. But uh, definitely going to pass it last over to the American one. Well, don't get it wrong, Jack. I Google and Google over all of you guys grows. ATG Acres, that, that, uh, what he's posting on that light up is just chunkiness beyond chunky. It's really impressive. And yeah, no other grower is an exce- exceptional garden. 
and yeah, you guys all kill it. So love so you, yeah, but Thanks, man. It was it was just the the way that Brandon Mike went went big scale. It was just like immediately he had healthy plants full uh, in a commercial setting. I was just so impressed. That's why. But yeah, you guys all kill it. And yeah, I'm the American one. You guys know where to find me. And if not, someone will help you. So yeah, I was really good this week, and I look forward to next week. Shout out Dr. Co- Coco MJ Wayne here and uh, Kyle the Breeder. And who else is missing? Well, Rust was here earlier, Brandon. So, yeah, it's always good. Thank you so much for joining us, The American One. It is a pleasure to have you, The American One, with a Keens on Instagram. you got to put the underscores after The American One. And The American One on YouTube. You can find me at Jack Greenstock, like it is on my logo here behind me, on uh, Cannabuzz, which I hardly use, and Instagram most often. Uh, that's where I'm at. You can also find me at Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. And if you want a copy of my book, 50 Strains of Green, you can go to 50strains.com. 50strains.com, no green at the end, because I'm going to do 50 strains of purple at the end of the year. And I'm actually going to start recording the audiobook hopefully this week. Um, I should have a little bit of free time. And with that, I'll start recording some of the audiobook stuff for the people that asked for it. So thank you, everybody who showed up in the chat and on the panel for all their support. I appreciate you showing up each week. Much love. Jack Greenstock, signing out. Catch you next week. Grow his love.